0: Hello, friends. Today, we are talking about some ideas for teaching when you are missing half the class. (laughs) My name is Victoria Bowler, and this is episode 46 of Elemental Conversations. When we are teaching with half the class missing, half of our students missing, normally I would say that that's a pretty unique situation. But sadly, for so many music teachers in so many different parts of the United States and then certainly across the globe, this is a situation that might not feel all that unique. Many teachers are getting more and more accustomed to the reality that they are going to have to figure out how to navigate large portions of your classroom missing. And one of the challenges of this is that it's very likely a different group of students from week to week that are, um, for a variety of reasons, not in the music class that day. And this is really difficult. My sister is also an elementary music teacher, and she uh, messaged me today to say like almost half their teacher staff is out right now. So it definitely affects students, and it certainly also affects the colleagues that we work with. So this is a widespread issue that uh, many of us are having to think through. So let's talk about how we might choose to frame this situation. Let's talk about a framework for teaching when half the class is missing and how we can approach that uh, from what we can control, which is our mindset. We have a decision to make about our curriculum, and that's what we'll talk about today. So we'll think through um, how to frame this with our own perspective and then talk about some ways to approach a single lesson if we choose to effectively reteach it multiple times. When we have half the class gone or a large percentage of the class gone, one of the least helpful things we can do is plow ahead with the curriculum because we have this idea that we don't want to stay on a single lesson or a single concept for multiple classes in a row, for multiple weeks in a row. One of the least helpful things we can do is move ahead as if we. Uh, need to prioritize business as usual. This is not a business as usual situation. This is a situation that calls for a different level of pacing because what students need from us is unique in this situation, as opposed to a situation where you have a very consistent schedule and you can count on the same group of students showing up every Monday at 11 So this topic came from a colleague on Instagram who is in this situation. And I know that this person is not alone in noticing the different levels of numbers in a classroom and how much that is changing week to week. My recommendation is to think of these classes with small student groups. Think of this as bonus time. Instead of trying to stay, huge air quotes here, on track. We have known and we knew before, uh, you know, March 2020, that on track never existed. We knew that curriculum followed students. But this has made so many of us reevaluate our thinking in terms of pacing and student need Because we can see very clearly that what something on a website says as a third grade activity or something in a textbook or something from a workshop as a, quote, third grade activity, we recognize that that might not be where our third graders are. We might not need this activity or our third grade students might not be ready to interact with something that is, quote, third grade level. Yes. So on track never existed. It certainly does not exist right now. So we have no pressure at all. We should not ever be putting pressure on ourselves to stay uh, with the pacing that we would expect a third grade class to go through in a, quote, typical school year. Yes. The other thing, along with the idea of on track, not existing is if music class is fun, if music class feels like fun in games, if it feels like child's play, then it's totally fine to go back and play games again. If it feels like musical play, then there shouldn't be a reason that students are um, missing out on anything in terms of their music class experience. Students are fine playing games multiple weeks in a row and repeating the same lesson multiple weeks in a row now the thing with that is we probably feel tired of these lessons much faster than students do if our lessons are upbeat in the uh, day-to-day or in the lesson segments themselves if that part of the learning process is upbeat And it's not, you know, dragging on for one with one activity for, you know, 12, 15 minutes. If our lessons themselves are upbeat and child centered and play based, then there's not a problem repeating them multiple weeks in a row. You are allowed to repeat lessons. We are going to feel tired of these songs much faster than students do. So sometimes we're like, oh, students are so bored. They're checking out. And it's actually us. (laughs) We are the ones who are bored with these songs. Keep in mind that students need more exposure to a song than we do in order to internalize it, right? So us as trained musicians, we can hear and uh, comprehend from a theoretical perspective. We can hear and comprehend a song much faster than students do. And we are using these songs every single day. If you have, you know, five sections of fourth grade or whatever it is, as opposed to the students who have a full week, break before hearing the song again. And in this case, because of the different population numbers from week to week inside a single music class, they are very likely going to have more than a week of break between each song. So when we have sung a song 37 bajillion times, it is worth remembering that students may have sung the song once. It is much better to camp out on a concept and go deeper as opposed to making everyone in that grade level skim the surface of the concept. Slower is faster here. Slower is faster. So this is a time for small group work. If that is feasible, given your physical restrictions, this is a time for songs that align with books. This is time for a review project. This is time to make a video of students teaching so that you can watch it next class and have the students teach the class next time. All of these things are um, absolutely valuable pathways to handling half the class being in your music room. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about one single core lesson and some different ways that you might approach it from several different weeks in the event that you need to camp out on a single concept and go deeper instead of moving ahead with your curriculum. We have talked in the past about the breakdown of a a typical lesson for me, and I've already shared this is not a framework that I invented, this is not a template that I invented, but we will have a warm up. We have a high concentration. This is like our main focus activity. We have a change of pace. That's just to get us moving to do something different. And then we have a secondary focus. This is our kind of second priority of the lesson and then a closing activity. Let's imagine that because we know that we are going to have a smaller group of students for several lessons in a row, or if we are just ready for that possibility, let's keep the same core lesson. But for our sanity and for the sanity of the students who are there every week (laughs) uh, when their peers are missing, let's think of some ways to switch it up while we are staying in this Um, core foundational objective for the lesson even over multiple weeks. So let's start with the warm up. You could have your core warm-up routine that you do every single class. That is probably students walking into an entrance song that's probably doing some sort of melodic greeting and some melodic patterns and then some rhythmic patterns like some echo activities. If that is your same core melodic excuse me your same core warm up routine keep that keep that consistent in every single class so you're going to sing the greetings using the melodic tone set and the rhythmic set that you have already picked out for this lesson but then instead of having that same core lesson on its own, that same core warm up on its own, we can extend it with things like improvisation. So, we can improv, we can improvise in question and answer with the tone set and the rhythmic set with the teacher versus the class. So, instead of just copying, my turn first and here I go. Echo. echo, 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 echo. If that is the regular activity that you would normally do, this time you would say, uh, please make up your own response instead of copying what I do. Here I go. Right. And you do improvisation instead of echoing or If you are concerned that your students are not yet ready to just improvise eight beats on their own, totally fine. No problem. Ask them to take that same rhythm. And instead of echoing you the way you played it, ask them to put it on body percussion. So they are improvising the body percussion levels instead of improvising a new rhythm back to you. That's one way to extend it with the teacher versus the class. If your students are ready for the next step from that, then you have them turn to their shoulder partner and do question and answer improvisation with that same rhythmic set that they have been doing in their echoing with you in their regular warmup. But now they turn to a partner and take turns improvising. So, that's the warm up portion of the lesson. You have your main thing, and then we have a couple different ways that you could extend it. And by the way, you could also extend this if it is feasible for you in your situation to have students on instruments. You can do the same uh, musical warm up, except instead of students clapping their echo activity, they are going to play it on the instrument in front of them, and then just hand out that unpitched percussion instrument to the person on their right, and you keep going. Another thing, we'll talk about this in just a little bit, but one of the nice things about having a smaller class size is that you do have a little bit more freedom to hang out on instruments for a little bit longer in the lesson than perhaps you might typically do. Let's move on to high concentration and secondary concentration. If you have your core lesson objective, let's say that you are, oh, I don't know, let's say you're working on Ray and you want students to sing and play the game to Frog in the Meadow and then you want them to point to the melodic contour. Great. So you'll sing and play the game and then you do your core learning activity. Whatever your big uh, lesson objective of the day is for this high concentration portion of the lesson, you do that and that stays the same for, you know, if you have really wacky numbers for three lessons in a row, then that's the same learning process that you do every single class in this high concentration portion of the lesson. But then instead of just ending it there, you have lots of different extension opportunities that you can do for the rest of that lesson segment. So even though the core activity is staying the same, the extension activity is going to be different from week to week. It's also a great idea to add explicit targeted times for review and in this high concentration portion of the lesson, this is a great time for peer teaching, uh, for students to teach each other what we did last class. So having a designated time for review so that students remember what happened and so that they are informed about what happened in the last class if they weren't there, that's a great option here. So. We can uh, review the previous class by having students turn to their shoulder partner and discuss what they did last time. We could also have uh, a review of the previous class by having a few students come to the front and give, let's say... um, Uh, a quick presentation lesson on their own of, in this class, we call this sound low law, or we call this sound a half note. And in this class, this is how we write it. And in this class, these are the songs that use it. We can have students come to the front and give that presentation, let them be the teacher. That's a great option. We can extend some of these high concentration areas of focus in our lesson after we've done the core teaching segment and after we've done some review. We can extend in a lot of different ways. One option is more time playing instruments. We talked about that with the warm-up. When we have a fewer when we have fewer students in the class that makes instrumental activities a little bit less chaotic. <laughs> Sometimes if you get a lot of instruments going it can be a little bit stressful for us as the teacher because we are worried about instrument technique, we are worried about people um not Uh, throwing the instrument across the room for whatever reason. We are worried about students sharing. We are worried about all of the different noise levels and everything like that. So with a smaller group of students, we have time to really notice students' instrumental technique. This, while we're on the subject of this, this could be a really, really fun time to talk about playing with three mallets on the bard instruments. This is something, uh, playing with three mallets, probably I, I have never done four mallets with my elementary students, but I have done three. And that is manageable and that is very, very fun. So if you have an opportunity for something like playing uh, chords, a chordal outline to a song where students can just um, take two in their left hand, one in their right hand, and they just move it from tonic to dominant. That can be a really great, very fulfilling opportunity for those students. If your students aren't ready for chords or chord changes, uh, you can have, and and playing with three mallets, you can add a bordoon to whatever song you're using, or if students are already using a bordoon in that piece, then you could add a different bordoon. This is a great time to... really focus in on those different Bordeaux options, right? So a chord bordoon and a broken Bordoon and a level Bordoon and an arpeggiated Bordoon. Students can work together perhaps to think of a new accompaniment pattern to use with one and five. Another option is with instruments to play the melody or a portion of the melody by ear. Students can work with a partner for this. We could also uh, play instruments using an ostinato, or rather we can play an ostinato on instruments, like unpitched percussion. This is a great option. Uh, Or if you want to add an extension of that same song that you are using in your high concentration lesson and use that same rhythmic set that you are focusing on in that portion. Uh, But instead of using it in the context of your core song, you can put on some pop music and do echo playing with four beat or eight beat rhythms with unpitched percussion that use that target element. So, all of those are just with instrumental extensions, which is pretty fun. We can also do some rhythmic and melodic dictation. So if you have students using graphic notation or using standard Western notation, or if you can give them manipulatives like bingo chips or popsicle sticks or Q-tips or strips of paper, anything like that, if you have opportunity for this, This can give you so much information about how students are handling or how they are working through their rhythmic or melodic understanding of whatever element you're working on. A nice progression for this, if you're not sure where students are, let's imagine that, um, let's go with the melodic direction. Let's say that you are doing so me law. One way to do this would be to actually sing patterns on solfege and then students write them down with their manipulatives. That's a really nice first step. An extension away from that, kind of the next level up, would be for you to sing it on a neutral syllable and students uh, translate it in their minds and then write it down. And then the step away from that would be for you to play the melodic uh, pattern Instead of singing it, so playing it on a bard instrument or a piano or on a recorder, if that's available to you, that is the next level. And the same thing is true for the instrumental side of things. If you say ta 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 di ta, and students say ta 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 di ta, and then they write it down with popsicle sticks, that's kind of the base level of what we would expect them to do. That is just um, that is just kind of regurgitating what you said. But if you say ch, 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 and then they write down ta, 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 dee, ta, that's the next level up. And then the next level up from that would be for you to play that rhythm on a glockenspiel or a hand drum or something like that. So moving from you telling them explicitly what to write, so they just have to copy what you said, to changing the timbre of them to uh, changing the timbre of the pattern for them to translate. All of that is really fun. And students love melodic and rhythmic dictation. And it's something that, for me personally, I really enjoy doing it, but I don't always make time for it. So this can be a nice time to go deeper on the activities that I feel like I never get time for, right? Next, after we do a song, or a rhyme like engine, engine number nine, let's say that that's our core lesson thing that we are doing in our high concentration. Let's say that we are going to uh, speak engine, engine number nine and then the core learning activity would be for us to tiptoe and step around the room to the rhythm of engine, engine number nine, great. So that would be the core lesson component that we keep every single class. But then an extension option could be to find a picture book, with engine engine number nine, or a picture book with a train, or a picture book about travel, right? We don't need to get very, very, very specific with it, Uh, but connect some of the repertoire that we are doing to the picture book as an extension idea. So extension ideas after the core lesson segment, for this high concentration and secondary concentration option. So far, we have talked about number one, making explicit time for review, but then when we do get into extension, more time playing instruments, melodic and rhythmic dictation connecting repertoire, whatever we're using, to picture books. And by the way, my favorite place to get those picture books, if you do not want to kind of hunt down options on the school library or in your school library, Git Epic is absolutely a website that I would recommend you check out. They have lots of really wonderful options that you can access for free and then display on your screen in front of the class. And then the last idea for extending a high concentration or a secondary concentration lesson segment would be to add more opportunities for improvisation and arranging. So some very quick like drag and drop improvisation and arranging ideas could be to keep the rhythm of the song the same, but students create a new melody with their partner at a barred instrument. So the rhythm is the same. The melody is what students are arranging. Another option is to create an ostinato using thematic words from the song. So um, an example of that could be if we go back to engine, engine number nine, you could say uh, engine train, engine train. Or if you're doing BB bumblebee, it's bumblebee, bumblebee. And students are creating ostinati with those thematic words from the song. This is also a great opportunity for rhythmic building blocks. If you want manipulatives that students can physically move around to create their ostinato. Another option would be uh, in small groups, students create a new version of a passing game, or perhaps you take a song that wasn't a passing game to begin with and students turn it into a passing game. This would be appropriate for upper elementary in a group of four to, oh, I would say six tops, but that would depend on your students. Another option that is super easy is just to take a song or a rhyme and assign a different unpitched percussion instrument to each line of the song. And then the last idea is to improvise a new ending to the song, maybe on body percussion, maybe on unpitched percussion, or maybe on barred instruments. Or you might notate the song on the board, but then you as the teacher, you erase some measures. So maybe you keep measures one and three, but you erase measures two and four. And as a whole class, everybody is improvising measures two and four. They're creating their own version of the song there. Since the high concentration and that secondary concentration, since those are the segments of the lesson that are going to take up the most amount of time, that also gives us a lot of different opportunities to try out some of these different extension options. And again, my recommendation, depending on your capacity as a teacher, uh, would be to keep the core lesson activity the same, but then change the extension from week to week. Next let's talk about change of pace. This is something where uh, we might learn a new dance and maybe this is something that we are explicitly doing just for fun. Or maybe uh, students are creating their own dance. Maybe we are moving to pop music or maybe students can choose from a list of games on the board that you have decided ahead of time that you are ready to facilitate that, you know, students will know how to do all of those things. You provide students a list of songs on the board and students get to choose which singing game they do. And if you have one that is, you know, most of the class voted for this option, but the runner up was this other option, then great. Keep that and use it as a closing activity. Let's talk about the closing activity then. The easy thing to do is for students to choose the closing song. That's a a beautiful option. This is also the time that we would want to make for students to review what we've done in the next class, or excuse me, what we've done in this class, because we know that in the next class, we are going to prioritize reviewing what we have done today. And we've already talked about the different opportunities that students might have to share with their peers in a peer teaching scenario, what we have done in previous lessons. So one just drag and drop idea is for you to say okay what did we do today and you just lead a class discussion right so that's teacher and the class another option would be for you to have everyone turn to a shoulder partner And ask them to tell their shoulder partner the songs we did today and then the musical concepts that we did today. So today we did We Are Dancing in the Forest and We Were Singing with So La So Me. Or today we did We Are Dancing in the Forest and We Were Using a High Pitch, something that's higher than "So." And just depending on where you are in the curriculum, students are going to use the language to describe their musical experience that they have been using in the lesson, right? Another option, this is a really, really great thing if it is feasible at all, when you have written permission from your administration and when you have written, ad- written permission from every single student guardian that you teach, videoing a student explaining the key concepts of the lesson that is such a valuable activity it is so valuable on so many different levels and it's a lot of fun kids feel like the movie star and they are so you can review as a class You can have students explain it to a shoulder partner, and that's kind of like the practice round for you to look at the class line as they're lined up talking to each other for you to look and see who is going to be successful if I put them on video. And then you'll just ask a student, would you like to be videoed explaining what we did? The exact thing that you just shared with your partner. Would you like to be on video explaining that so that we can watch it in the next class? or and or so that I can put it on Seesaw for the rest of our friends who are not here. Having written permission, I just want to reiterate one more time, (laughs) having written permission from the administration and from parents and then asking students first before you just pull out your school iPad and say, okay, let's go, right? This is a really nice time for students to be the teacher. And it also checks off a couple more boxes. So before we move on from this little segment that we are talking about, we are going to keep our uh, lesson structure the same. Unless you're doing something totally different, like a review project, like we've talked about in the past, Um, unless you are doing something totally different, my recommendation is to keep your lesson the same, hang out on a concept and go deeper instead of trying to cram everyone through to stay with what you feel like is on track and then finding ways to switch up the lesson activities while you stay on the same concept so that you don't go absolutely bonkers with the same exact lesson 37 different times. Okay, let's talk about program advocacy and some potential uh, positive sides to having a smaller class size. I mentioned using student review videos to put on Seesaw. This is something that I have done, not in this context, but this is something that I have done in preparation for an informants. It makes it so fun for students to know that they are on Seesaw as the teacher teaching their parents and teaching all of their friends' parents about Ta and Tati, or about Ray or whatever it is. This is absolutely a great way for students to learn from each other, but it also serves as an advocacy piece for our music programs. This might be one of the only opportunities that parents have to hear their students talk about what they are learning in music class. The very last thing that I would offer for us to consider in this conversation is Uh, that multiple things can be true at once. So it can be 100% true that it is frustrating and um, sad and stressful when we have such different numbers from week to week in terms of what students are in front of us for us to teach. All of those things are true. And it can also be true that small class sizes can be a blessing. The positives of having a small class size do not negate the negatives, the negative feelings that we can have when we are faced with all of these disruptions, right? So multiple things can be true at the same time. When we think about small class sizes as a blessing, I think about when I was in elementary school, I had an aunt who would take all of the cousins individually on dates. We would go get a Frosty from Wendy's or we would go to the park or whatever it is. And as someone whose love language is quality time, this was a really, really big deal to me that she would take the time to pick us up from school and spend some of that you know, it was, it was a short thing. It was like 20 minutes. But she was spending that quality time with us intentionally. And especially because I come from a big family, this uh, kind of quality time with an adult was really rare. And it's something that I never forgot. It made a huge impact on me as an elementary school student to have that quality time with my aunt. So what if it is possible that this is an extra dose of quality time with our students that we normally wouldn't have. What if this is an opportunity to get to know students on a level that normally in a typical school year, with everything running as smoothly as it was in the past, (laughs) uh, which of course was varying levels of smooth, I understand. But if everything were running as normal, we might not get this 35 minutes with these 12 students. We might be doing 35 minutes with 24 students, right? So what if we have the opportunity to build more impactful relationships with these students now that we have them in fewer numbers from week week. Again, I want to be clear that does not negate the challenges that doesn't negate the sadness that we feel or the stress that we feel or the burnout that we feel. It can be true that there are positives to this situation. And it can be true that we have some tough feelings around this topic. Hopefully, as we look at what students need from us in terms of a music curriculum that meets them where they are and a music curriculum that we still enjoy teaching, right? A curriculum that's not driving us crazy as we just repeat the same lesson over and over and over. Hopefully we have an alignment with a student-centered lesson with lots of options for student choice, lots of options for student extension, and we can rest secure in the knowledge that we are doing everything that we need to in this moment in time. What we are doing in the classroom is enough.